When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Like, I hadn't heard of this film before, and I have to thank you, Ben, for, for alerting me to it. I think you're, you're, doing, you're doing great work in, in bringing people to this kind of cinema. I just really enjoyed being in the company of these three unique characters. It's just amazing. You can tell from like my voice, I'm just, I get so excited about this. He he is a genius or was. (laughs) It's testament to how much of an effect Tokyo Godfathers had on me that I went and I watched Paprika straight away. The thing that I love about this the most really is just how expertly crafted it is. Like, I don't think there's a wasted moment in there. I've seen it countless times now and it just gets better every single time. Hey everyone, welcome to Flixwater Podcast. I'm Kobe. Today I'm joined by Joe. Hello. Ben. Yo. Helen. Hello. And we're talking about Tokyo Godfathers. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Ben and Joe. If you could please say hello and tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hi, I'm Ben. I'm from the Third Window Films Podcast. And uh, yeah, basically we we talk about the film distribution label Third Window Films. Um, it's not who uh, you work for, Ben. It's not, no. Oh, <laughs> I got Although, that wrong. I, I guess he's getting free labour for me, really, for, for marketing. But no, it, it's kind of interesting, actually, how it all came about. When um, when lockdown first started, I started going back through, um, you know, East Asian back catalogues, just trying to find some directors that maybe I hadn't seen much from. And uh, I found this guy, Toshiaki Toyoda, who is a bit of a kind of a punk rock auteur out of Japan. And I bought uh, one of his box sets that just happened to be Third Window and started tweeting about it as I was watching them. Mm. And I tagged him in it. And um, he messaged me a few days later and said, I've had about 200 of these on my shelves, um, just not shifting. And since you've been tweeting about them, we've now sold out. Oh, really? Um, Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, he was like, I just wanted to say thank you and glad to see you're so passionate about it. And we just kind of started talking from there. And it got to the point where I said, you know, have you ever thought of a podcast? And he's like, I'd love to do one, but I just got none of the know-how. And I was like, I could probably help uh, you out uh, with uh. that. 
<laughs> yeah, form, Twitter for the of power some... of good is an unknown thing. So this is I know, a, right? a wonderful story. <laughs> I, and honestly, he is such a nice bloke. And I, I don't know if you've heard the show, but he, he's just like a really nice giving guy and he, he loves his fans. So yeah, the fact that I get to chat to him about his films, you know, he releases about one or two films a month. So mm. we just do one episode a month, you know, we talk about that film and anything else revolving around that. For example, the last one we did was called Micro Budget Hits because he released a, a tiny budgeted film called Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. And then we talked about like One Cut of the Dead and a few other things that he's done, you know. So yeah, it's been it's been really fun. And their uh, form of Sudden, sudden Double Deep, uh, she says as well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've, had Who, the, we've, had the, we've had the other guys in there, in here, um, a couple of times, I think. On, well, Kobe, that's actually where we first met, wasn't it? You came to our kind of birthday party indeed. about three years ago or something like that. Exactly, exactly. That was a good, that was a good um, afternoon. And uh, we've got <laughs> on the other side, we've got Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Joe. I'm a former uh, host of the Shitegeist podcast, uh, which is where I, I met these lovely people, Kobe and Helen. I say and, I'm moving to the former because um, obviously it'd still be, still be fun if you guys still existed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's hard to do as you, as you know it's hard to fit into a schedule, so it's mm. uh, it's difficult to keep up. But um, I'm I'm here mainly to big up the uh, the wire stripped, which is primarily <laughs> where my output is, and 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 Kobe can tell you everything there is to know about it. Um, it's been it's been really good for me to delve into the wire in in ways that I haven't before, and and maybe to read up on some of it and find some avenues that are less explored or that haven't been spoken about before. So that's you know. That's great. That's lovely. I didn't pay you to say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot, guys. Um, well, we're here talking about Tokyo Godfathers. This is your choice, Ben. Can you tell us, first of all, I, could, I can sense why you chose it. I think you're a big fan of East, East Asian uh, cinema. Um, tell us why you chose it, and then get, I'll get the timer ready for a synopsis of 60 seconds or less. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, I am obsessed with East Asian cinema in general, but I kind of grew up on anime, you know, stuff like... Akira and Ghost in the Shell and mm. some of the series like Cowboy Bebop and stuff like that and and the Ghibli stuff as well of course um but I never really heard of uh, Satoshi Kon who who did Tokyo Godfather so I've just come to his work recently and I'm just obsessed basically I just think he's a genius or was a genius sadly he passed away in 2010 but yeah he he started off um doing manga in the 80s and then he was a background artist in the 90s. And then he, he did his first film in 97, I think it was, which was called Perfect Blue, which is this just this masterpiece of like surreal, dark uh, cinema. And yeah, uh, he did Millennium Actress, which is like a fake mm. documentary biopic as well. And then Tokyo Godfathers came next. And, and yeah, just you can't go what's, wrong with his work, really. And what's the synopsis of Tokyo Godfathers starting now? Okay, so on Christmas Eve in Japan, there's three homeless people living on the streets of Tokyo. Uh, one is a middle-aged alcoholic named Jin. Uh, the other is a transgender woman named Hannah. And there's a kind of teenage runaway girl named uh, Miyuki. And they discover a newborn baby in the trash and a madcap adventure <laughs> goes forth from that. Awesome. Joe, Satoshi Kon, have you heard of him before? And what do you think of Tokyo Godfathers? Um, so like I hadn't heard of this film before and I, I have to thank you, Ben, for, for alerting me to it. I think you're, you're doing, you're doing great work in, in bringing people to this kind of cinema. Um, I hadn't heard of it before and it was, it was maybe the first anime that I watched that had absolutely no supernatural or sci-fi or, um, 
a fantasy element in it whatsoever. Like it's it's mm. so grounded. And I, I suppose it, it's testament to how much of an effect Tokyo Godfathers had on me that I went and I watched Paprika straight away. So <laughs> I think... Hold on, is Paprika, is that available on Netflix? It's not. So I, oh. forget I said that. It's not on Netflix. Forget yes. I said that. No, no, just because uh, a lot of people talk about Paprika because it's a lot of people compare it to um, Inception. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, yeah, this the central premise of a dream within a dream within a dream came mm. from Paprika, yeah. Uh, it's a, such a crazy film. But I'm so glad that you kind of came from this grounded reality side of him <laughs> and then went to that super surreal side. That's awesome. There's so much in between that as well, though, so I really recommend you keep going down that rabbit hole. I mean, there's, there's full of a lot of coincidences and nice nice tie-up points, which, which wouldn't normally happen in, I guess, real life, but that's... Obviously, the story that, that we're following of these guys. Helen, what do you think of, of Tokyo Godfathers? I'd, I'd never heard of this before, so this was a big introduction for me. I had heard of Paprika, but not not made any connection until just now. And I don't really know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting this, um, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing. I should add that sometimes I say things and they come out and it's, I hated it, but I really enjoyed it. And I just really enjoyed being in the company of these three unique characters. And there's kind of like a lot of strange and wonderful things that happen, but then there's also kind of a lot of realism happening as well. Mm. And sort of the Japanese and how they treat their homeless kind of really comes through in that. So there's kind of a lot going on, including like a kind of like mad soundtrack as well that I really enjoyed. So um, thanks for bringing this Christmas film, I should say, probably more of an alternative Christmas film, but it is obviously very festive and, and set around the Christmas period. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's, it's super, it is, it is super grounded. Obviously there are there are coincidences which just kind of make it, I think it, because it is a Christmas film, you have to have some of those, I don't want to say contrivances, but those, um, those points which are, which wouldn't normally happen, like Miyuki meeting meeting her dad right at the end and, and stuff like that, which are it's just oh, like it oh. pains me for you to spoil it like that. Uh, well, we, well, for we, people that might, I know, I know, I know, but we spoil from this, you know. <laughs> well, no, the, the, the thing that I love about this the most, really, I mean, apart from the social commentary, like you both, you've all mentioned, is just how expertly crafted it is. Mm. I, I don't think there's a wasted moment in there, and. I've seen it countless times now. I mean, like I said, I've only been watching it about two or three years and I must've seen it at least five or six times. And um, it just gets better every single time. And I know, I think last year or the year before last, they recorded an English language dub um, that is available. But I loved that. I just watched it on Netflix um, for this show and it's still the Japanese one is the only available option. And I kind of prefer okay. it that way. <laughs> I don't know how you guys feel about subtitles, but I mean, that's the only way I watch this stuff because I think it's just how it was intended. I think for me, animation, and we've talked about this before when we've had Ghibli on, but animation, I'm not so fussed, um, but I will, when we've had Ghibli on, I've kind of flipped between them both and sometimes it's startling how ridiculous the differences are and also um, sometimes I've had the English on and also English subtitles. And when that's completely different to each other, that's really jarring. But otherwise, yeah, if it's if it's a non-animation film, I'm 100% subtitles if it's um, a foreign language one. I think Ghibli are the one sort of studio that you're safe with, with the English dub, because they have like Billy Bob Thornton and Kate Winslet and stuff well, like that. Well, that's what makes it really interesting with those guys. Yeah. yeah. What yourself, Joe and Helen? My preference is always to go with the original uh, version of it. But I would say like I have a tendency when watching anime and reading the subtitles to kind of... It, it's a lot to take in, to take in like the, the the performances and read it and take in the animation. I find 
anime makes me quite sleepy. <laughs> I, I, I might be unique in that, but um, I, I always like, particularly a, a film that has a lot of uh, kind of dreamy elements or, or something that's quite slow paced. Um, I, I kind of get lulled into it and it's, it's a really nice kind of unique form of cinema for that. Um, I, I don't think that there's any other type of cinema that has that effect on me. And I'm definitely not saying that that's a bad thing, but it's just something that I need to be aware of as, as I settle in to watch either Ghibli or, or uh, even things like uh, Akira and Ghost in the Shell that you mentioned. I went to Ghost in the Shell in the cinema in Bristol and I was just kind of, oh, kind of sleepy. In the- <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you know, it's it's it, it's, it's, it's a very cosy cinema, though. I think I've actually fallen asleep in the Ritzy before, so... <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean, the the animation here is is super expressive. I'd like to touch on the on the backgrounds, but the animation of the style of the, of these main three characters is super expressive, and they're not almost they're not doing obviously the Warner Brothers eyes popping out of the head, but they are like literally big eyes, and suddenly it's like re- reducing to themselves. Uh, but one thing I took away from this one is, uh, and this is, I've never, I haven't seen Akira or Ghost of the Shell, but one of the things I you know reading about those is everyone's astonished at how well they can portray the background because everything's so dark. And in this one, the background is so dark, but it's so, so detailed. And sometimes I was like, is that, are they on top of a photo in that, in those cases? And when you said, um, Ben about Satoshi Kon as a background artist, is, is that where he puts a lot of his detail and a lot of what he, his effort into? Yeah. hundred percent. He was, um, he was a very kind of, uh, succinct author. And I know that sounds a bit wanky probably, but, um, he, I, I know he puts everything into all aspects of his films and that's why he only ever made five and, you know, sadly that's all we're ever going to get. But yeah, his backgrounds are phenomenal. Um, his character work's just insane. And like you said, I mean, if you watch a bit more of his work, you'll start to see through lines and how they interact with each other because it they're very volatile often. Like, you know, you think you know where you're at with them and then all of a sudden they'll just completely surprise you. But this is without question his most grounded work. If you wanted to kind of tiptoe into the more surreal stuff, I'd say go to Millennium Actress next because it's it starts off as a, a kind of faux documentary biopic and it slowly gets more and more surreal as you go in and before the end and you're like flying through the air and you just kind of feel, <laughs> what just happened? What, why am I here? But yeah, yeah, it's just amazing. You can tell from like my voice, I'm just, I get so excited about this. He, he is a genius or was. <laughs> what do you make about the main kind of storyline? It's, it's always disheartening heartbreaking to have that abandoned child but the, the way those guys um banded around to try and find the parents and find the mother and then the mother wasn't the mother it's almost super melodramatical but also yeah kind of loved it that's what that's what really drew me in as well as the background as well as the animation as well as the just the whole story and plot line well there's two parts of it that that get me i mean the first part is you look at these characters and you go right there's someone who supposedly from from his perspective says that he lost his his wife and child and mm. lost his job and ended up on the streets. There's someone else who uh, was taken in by a, like a den mother sort of thing in a kind of karaoke bar and then, you know, lashed out violently and got extradited and thrown out on the streets. And the little girl that was, you know, uh, abused at home and had to go. And then later on in the story, you, f- you hear that they're all basically telling a fable. <laughs> they've, they've, <laughs> they've twisted their own realities into thinking this is how this has happened to them. But it's just not the case. Uh, I'm not saying that's entirely sensitive to the homeless community. You know, I'm sure there are some horrible stories why people are on it. My partner actually works as a homelessness prevention officer for the Cambridge City Council. So she deals with all this stuff every single day. And I really wanted her to watch it with me. And she just thought it was it was brilliant. She she loved it. She said, you know, these characters, they, 
whilst they're not exactly the sort of people that she meets every day, she goes, they are really funny or really clever or they have mm-hmm. amazing stories, you know? And if you just sit there and, and actually take the time to listen to them, you, you, can, you can really experience these lives. And yeah, I think he really captured that. And like you said, he makes it fun and he makes it kind of uh, all memorable. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just think it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really liked how um, he would constantly wrong foot the viewer and and set them up thinking, oh yeah, I think I know where this is going. Like they introduce a mafia mm. godfather storyline. You're like, oh, this is the rest of it. No, not that. Or um, <laughs> there's the there's the old man and um, he's he's obviously sadly expiring he's, he's passing away and the visual language of the uh, the windmills shutting down slowly and he closes his eyes and as a viewer you're like i know exactly what's going on here and then they start back up and he wakes up and it's it's he's toying <laughs> with the audience constantly um and so there's there's really good moments of humor that are brought to it and and like extremely skilled in his editing i think the the match cuts between scenes and some of the scene transitions are really inventive and then obviously taken to the next level in some of his subsequent films, but um, just really, really impressed with the, the whole presentation. And with the, like, I, I was surprised in an animated film for there to be such a real sense of geography and a real sense of, you know, mm. where these people spend their time and they obviously know the streets better than most and they, they you know, can navigate around and find ways that others can't. And it's... It's just well, it's even when they went to the when when they went to graveyard and she just points out, oh, graveyard. I was like, so, and then you see them or grave robbing, but obviously <laughs> that's yeah, respectful grave robbing. Um, and then they find they find the nappies and and things like another like um, like happy coincidence. They're very resourceful, aren't they? I'm glad you picked mm. up on the humour because there's a there's a lot of quite funny bits like the the milkmaid with her big breasts. Um, <laughs> kind of like a different kind of nudity and um, the police sketch of the baby as well made me laugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, absolutely. What did you guys think of, this is probably, probably the only instance I can think of of an LGP or of a trans woman in animation. I haven't seen enough of these uh, films, but I thought the depiction was well, well outlined uh, for not Uncle Jin, what was the character's name? What did they call her? Hannah. Hannah. Um, but I called it uncle something as well. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, what, 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 what do you think of the trans aspects of the, of the film? Absolutely. I mean, I don't know. So uh, trans, uh, representation is still a bit, um, dodgy in Japan. I don't think and this is 2003, right? So exactly. This well, is, this is yeah. what I was going to say. I think it's, mm. it was ahead of its time in that respect. I mean, there's still a lot of, we, I mean, on sudden double dip, we used to call them the F bombs, you know, um, things like that, that that make it a bit uncomfortable. Um, But I also think it's, it's a really rounded uh, representation of this character. And, Mm. you know, um, it doesn't even go into, uh, you know, who they were born as. It's just who they are now. Um, Because it's not really necessary to the story. You know, Um, Hannah was a woman when she became homeless. And so, you know, we don't need to see beyond that. You're right though. I I haven't really seen much, much LGBT, BTQ plus, you know, in anime. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I think it's 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 interesting that like, as you say, there are, there are so many ways you could misrepresent someone in that scenario. But um, everybody is treated uh, with with agency and with um, kind of sympathy and 
everyone is a character in their own right. There's no one who's, mm. you know, a caricature bar, maybe the mob bosses, but there's like, everybody has their own distinct characteristics and everybody has their own arc. Um, and I was, I was yeah. really, I was really pleased by that because you have a father daughter reuniting two different ways and you have mm-hmm. an orphan who's looking, I guess, looking for purpose and looking to be a mother, which is like, uh, and ultimately saves the day. So it's, 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 perfect in in its um kind of telling the same story multiple different ways with different characters i completely agree and like the the kind of peripheral issues that it keeps picking up on like you said like um there's a really brutal kind of suicide thread towards like the start of the third act Mm. which just like i know we we've seen it you know in kind of like it's a wonderful life you know he's on the bridge and stuff but this really takes it to next level where she's basically trying to take the baby and jump off a bridge and if you think about the reality of that and how how stark and horrible and bleak it is, um, it's kind of a miracle that you come out of this film heartwarmed at the end. But uh, well, it is it is a Christmas it, film. It's just that you, took, <laughs> you stole my joke. But yeah, oh, sorry. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and moving on from that, I mean, the fact that it's a Christmas film, not just in anime but in Japanese cinema in general, there's really not that many Christmas films at all. I mean, that that setup at the start was like threw me for a loop. Um, mm. So. It's interesting. Uh, guys, is there anything you want to say before we head to the scores? Just that I'm so glad with the reaction here from, from all of you, you know? I didn't really know well, how this was going to go. You haven't had proper scores yet, so... <laughs> no, 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 I know. But I can tell, like, you've all taken something <laughs> good from it. And, you know, if it's made you think, do you know what, I might check out more Satoshi Kon than Amazing. If it's made you think, I might just try out some more anime, even better. Um, yeah, it's it's a really good kind of gateway film. And it's the perfect season for it. So yeah, check it out. I'm always on the lookout for alternative Christmas films. I, I, I've I've recently heard people flying the flag for Prometheus, which is, I mean, if 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 you want that to be a Christmas film, fill your boots. But <laughs> I recommend the thing if people are really okay. struggling for an alternative yeah. Christmas film. Why not? Uh, I saw the um, with Prometheus. It's uh, Idris with the Christmas tree, isn't yeah. it? It's put in there. Oh, is that a- yeah. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's head to the scores. I'm Helen O'Hara, film journalist, author and host of Women vs. Hollywood, a new podcast from the Stripped Media family. We're exploring the fall and rise of women in Hollywood from the silent era to the present day and into the future. Each episode, I'm joined by three or more special guests to discuss the challenges that women face in the film industry and look at what we can do to change the picture. We've got actors, directors, producers, writers, academics, film experts, you name it, they're all here to explain what's going on in Hollywood. Search for Women vs. Hollywood now, wherever you're listening to this, and come join us. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. The scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And let's start with you, please, Ben, with your recommendability. I mean, I'm so sorry. I think it's going to be quite hyperbolic with all of these. But for me, I this is a five out of five recommendability. I don't, as long as you can read subtitles, I don't think any reason why you shouldn't be checking this film out. Joe? For me, I, I kind of, I went back and forth on it. Uh, as you say, you know, Japanese cinema anime isn't for everyone, but I think this film is. Um, so that's that's why I give it easily a four out of five. Um, I think that you know you could you could show this to a quite a wide audience, and I think it would be well received. 
Helen. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching this and it is nice to have some alternative Christmas films that don't just carry on with the, the same kind of genres and tropes. And I think the, the there was a line in it that really resonated with me, which probably says a lot about our state of mind in 2021, is all anyone can do is their best. And I think that's a great message to have any time, especially during the holidays. Um, as I think we've definitely mentioned a couple of times before on the podcast, uh, we have a friend called Will. We love him dearly, but he is not an animated film fan. And I think for some people, it might be a little bit more of a hard sell. That said, I did really enjoy it. So I'm going to give it a 4.5. Wow. I'm happy with that. <laughs> I love how some people do take the, you know, they're really put out of the choices of I know, not Helen's a, Helen's a tough then, cookie to crack. I've, I listened to the show <laughs> and uh, I'm really, I'm really happy with that. <laughs> That's a strong score. Is she, is she like the nasty Nigel and um, Simon, Simon Cowell of the, of the Flitzwatcher crew? <laughs> I just give away, oh, I give I away high scores willy nilly. I was going to say, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, no, that's strong. It's Christmas, Kobe. Be nice to me. <laughs> I'm being nice to you. I'm just saying. I, I, I'm asking Ben if he regards Helen as the more stricter uh, scorer. Harder to please, I'll put. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for four point three. I think it's. I mean, when he chose it, I was like, oh, "What the hell is this?" But I don't know why. I, I don't know why I do that. I don't know why I do that because every time, you know, put on a Ghibli or something, I'm like, "Well, this is this is this is marvelous." But I'm just reflecting in the fact that I think people will say what is this and then not give it a um not give it a moment's notice or even press play on it so yeah 4.3 repeat viewing score ben you've already seen it like four times five times i was gonna say can i just say like on that point like that is half the problem i think with the world right now is they get really close-minded with what they're going to watch all the time you're like just open your mind a little bit try something different you might really love it anyway sorry too much too much choice out there it's really hard when you're faced with that many films to take mm. a chance on something because well, next you're like, time you're sitting there going, should I watch Christmas with the Coopers or Christmas with the Cranks or Last Christmas or should I watch Tokyo Godfathers? Then maybe just give us one. <laughs> I, I think it's the fault of the fault of uh, algorithms as well that people are getting more and more of the same, whereas there should be an anti-algorithm that gives us different things <laughs> that, that that brings in like okay. different experiences. Okay. And Netflix wrote that says the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> what you, the opposite of what we'd recommend. Yeah, we challenge you to like this. <laughs> <laughs> and what we do, what Helen, what I keep and thinking we should do is, um, you know, how Netflix gives you a match percentage, a predicted match percentage. Um, we should try and rate. We should try and bring that into the into the podcast and see how closely uh, Netflix assumed you would like. Some of them are wild off for me. <laughs> 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 um, I think that's probably the fault of this podcast. Um, Repeat viewing score, Ben. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I've watched it twice a year since I discovered it. But, I mean, I'd say, you know, once once a year at Christmas. Whack this out once a year at Christmas. So, what's that, 4.5? <laughs> sure. Uh, Joe? Um, I, I'm slightly less likely to watch it again. I'd say, yeah, I mean, maybe once a year max. I, I'd say I could go two years without seeing it because, uh, you know, it might be too repetitious. But uh, I, I give it a solid three. Um, I'm definitely going to watch this again. It might just, you know, as you say, there's a lot of films out there. So, <laughs> so yeah. n- next Christmas, hopefully I'll watch some other ingenious anime that I've never heard of. How about that? <laughs> Helen? I'm also going to join Joe with a three. I think... 
I'm not sure I'm going to watch it every year at Christmas, but if I happen to be with someone around the Christmas period and they're like, hey, we need a film to watch and they haven't seen this, I would definitely recommend that we watch that together. I'm going to give it 2.5. I don't I don't think I'll be watching it that much, but what I do want to do more is check out more uh, Satoshi Kon. Uh, I should. You know, it was one of the hang my head in shames and not seeing Ghost in the Shell and Akira. Uh, and also just watch all the Ghibli films because they're there on Netflix. So I'll probably do all those first before coming back to this. And that might take me a while because again, there's every film in the world to see. Uh, small screen score, Ben. I mean, I, unfortunately I didn't, I've never seen this on the big screen and you know, if I ever got the opportunity, I would absolutely chomp at the bit for it. So yeah, I don't really know. Uh, I would love to see it on, on the big screen, but I've only seen it on the small screen. So I, I don't know what you'd give that. <laughs> I just want to keep the, um, well, I want to keep quite, the score up, quite. so I'll give it a four. <laughs> <laughs> sure, uh, Ben. Sorry, Joe. Um, I'd actually I'd give it a five. I don't think it suffered really all that much from from being on the small screen. Um, I think like most people over lockdown have have perfected their setup so that it's you know a small screen is it, think, it's still probably over no, 40 inches at this point no joe the amount of times i walked into someone's house and got the remote control off them and set the contrast <laughs> oh, oh you're that guy yeah you're, you're well, yeah you're jerry from rick and morty the contrast setting is always too high <laughs> <laughs> no i'm the same i'm the same don't i'm with you on that I didn't throw you under the bus. I'm jumping both of us under the bus. <laughs> no, that's that's worse. Uh, <laughs> Helen, small screen score. Um, obviously, I haven't seen this on the big screen. Um, I, I enjoyed watching, watching it at home. Um, I don't think I'd needed to see it on the big screen, so I'm going to give it a five. I'm going to give this a two. Oh, no, I'm going to give it a 3.5 because I'd, I'd like to see this on the big screen. Next time I watch it, I would like to see it on the big screen. And because, like I said, all the detail in the, in the backgrounds... And I flicked between my iPad and the TV just because life. Um, and I noticed it was hard on the on the iPad to to pay attention. So I think it, I gets I get some benefit from watching on the on a cinema screen. Engagement score, Ben. There's no way in hell I'm turning this off if I've started it. So that's a that's a five for me. <laughs> Joe, uh, I, I I I suppose because of my issues, I can't say that I watched it in one sitting. <laughs> it's my drowsy issues. Yeah. Um. So like, I, I'm imagining watching this at a Christmas that I'm full of you know too much food and just just over full and sleepy. So I you know I can't be a five. So I, I decided to give it a four. Like I was I was engaged and I wanted to find out what happened next but I had to watch it over multiple sittings. Um, Helen? I think you have to be really engaged because it it's it moves along quite tight. A lot happens for, what is it, an hour and 31-ish minutes. So you, you have to be obviously engaged so you can read what's going on. And, you know, things happen and there's kind of like little details that you have to look out for, like the little clues and everything. So um, I think I'm going to give this a five. Like I hold my attention. I didn't know where it was going. <laughs> like was with it all the way and just, yeah, I, I, you know, it had me. I'm going to give it a five because it, again, it's one of those ones where you, as, as Helen said, once you started, you have to be paying attention because otherwise, you know, you've, 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 you've lost it. Um, and that gives us an overall score of 4.206. Two five, which is pretty done high. Strong, yeah. uh, strong. Very happy with repeat, that. Repeat viewing score was uh, took it down a couple of notches. Um, okay, let's head over to Twitter. Okay, guys, do follow us on Twitter because uh, well, it's great to 
be part of the party. Uh, also, we'll give you a little bit of a heads up uh, before we record, asking for reviews uh, with a tweet like this. We're reviewing Tokyo Godfathers with Benji Box and Shite Guys Pod. Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and your score out of five stars from an on-air shout-out on this here podcast. Uh, we had one response, which I, I wasn't expecting. I thought this might be quite low, but uh, Ben, go for it. Yeah, so this is from uh, an account called K Botak which is actually a, a Korean drama and, and movie podcast that I follow. It's, it's really good. Um, but they've put, uh, my brother introduced me to this when we were down for Christmas one year. Ideal festive viewing, my favourite Christmas film. I love this bunch of misfits and the world is brought to beautiful life by the artistic eye of Satoshi Kon once again. And then they also share um, an analysis by Accented Cinema, which uh, I haven't actually checked out yet, but I, I, I should do. <laughs> but yeah, they, another fan. I, I- and I pushed them for the for the score out of five, and uh, they said, um, "Well, they gave it five on Letterboxd, so it's five for them." Ben and Joe, can you tell us where we can find you online? And we'll just say goodbye to all the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as at BenjiBox. That's Benji with a Y. And yeah, you can listen to us once a month on the Third Window Films podcast. I think uh, Adam's Twitter is at Third Window. And yeah, if you're into East Asian cinema in any way, shape or form, we basically cover the length and breadth of it. So you have some fun. And uh, you could find me at Pod on Twitter. Uh, unfortunately, the, the podcast is defunct, but you can go back and listen to whatever was current in 2018 when we last podcasted. Um, <laughs> if you like the sound of my voice or Kobe's, then I would send you over to The Wire Stripped uh, because it's an excellent podcast and the guys always put out a really solid show. So, uh, yeah, big up The Wire Stripped. That's at The Wire Stripped, presumably. <laughs> yeah, no one else has got that name. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure to talk Tokyo Godfathers. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production 